0: hey welcome back i'm ryan hey i'm brian and this is the bible bistro <laughs> it's actually ryan and brian's bible bistro <laughs> right i just welcome them back to the bible yeah. bistro it's good to be here it is good to be here we're wrapping up uh, we're wrapping up a little a recording session yeah. here we're still in the bistro west west, west coast in we're at meets bloomington normal bloomington normal this is the West Coast edition, the East Coast edition. This is actually the center coast. The center coast. Well, <laughs> apparently, politicians have decided when I'm in Indianapolis, I'm on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I have Eastern time. So, yeah. but we're, uh, we're wrapping so up- are I like to c- call it
1: the elite coast. Go ahead.
0: That is everything that I think of when I think of Indianapolis as the elite coast. Basically, bodies of water everywhere. Anyway, so... White River. White River. uh, You know what? I've never thought of that as a coastal waterway, but now I do. Now that you've brought that up.
1: It's the Indian Creek Reservoir.
0: Yeah. uh, Eagle Creek. Eagle Creek. Eagle Creek Reservoir. And Geist. I'm not rich enough to go on Geist. i don't have i don't have a house on the i'm
1: guns. gonna quit naming all the bodies of water in indianapolis yeah oh, well i
0: think if we had like a meter where we could see like <laughs> listenership drop off oh gosh they're on the bodies of water in all indiana right. anyway so today yeah before we get started okay we're gonna we're gonna talk about
1: revelation again because everybody's it's one of everybody's it's one favorites and <clears throat> I, I got up this morning i thought let's talk about one of the most controversial uh-huh. passages in the entire bible yes don't you feel like doing that i do
0: feel like doing
1: that okay. and the beauty that's the beauty
0: of the podcast we don't th- th- there's no feedback we can
1: just talk about- <laughs> <laughs> one one person described it a lot like forrest gump's mother's box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get oh my gosh <laughs> yes but before so we, we talked about isaiah recently and yes first isaiah and, and, and we've done revelation.
0: revelation and what did we talk about before? oh we talked you and i bantered about identity yeah and first peter yeah. so Now we're going to go back to Revelation, a book. Um, There's a lot going on in there. But before we jump into that, we're going to remind our listeners that you can support the Bistro by going to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro or thebiblebistro.com. There's a button at the top. You can support us. Support us now. Yeah. Support us now. Time (laughs) is running out it's not true (laughs) there is no time right now uh but if you support us monthly you can get a coffee Coffee mug coffee mug who's (laughs) who doesn't need more coffee mugs like every time i open my cabinets i'm like i need more coffee mugs yeah so you too can have one emblazoned with our names and the bible bistro or a lovely cotton t-shirt cotton t-shirt so Mm -hmm. with the Ryan and brian's bible Bible bistro Bistro. (laughs) yes you will be the talk of everywhere if you wear the shirt. Talk in the neighborhood. Talk of the neighborhood. Anyway, so let's jump into Revelation today. Yeah. And we're, let's, we're, you said, I mean, I think a lot. Of, well, when you get past chapter three of Revelation. Yeah. For the most part, it gets kind of controversial with different
1: audiences. It can, yeah. I mean, this one is, here's why I think this one's a big one. This is the millennium. Mm. The way we often. This is the dog. No, that's the age of queers. The the <laughs> The way that we often choose to define our View of the end times is mm-hmm. is in relation to this passage. So you you probably have heard the, the terms before: Ryan, amillennial, premillennial post-millennial it all has to do with this thousand year period that's mentioned in chapter 20 and right. so that's kind of how we define we we choose to define ourselves um i remember one uh i heard this guy he's, he's a he's a pretty interesting author i can't remember his name right now but so I interesting him. i forgot him. Oh, I, i'll think of it in a minute but he's he's a, a preacher in the church of christ really really interesting guy and written a book on revelation but anyway he i heard him speaking one time and he said uh, well you know what the millennium is he said it's a a, a thousand-year period of peace that Christians love to fight about. <laughs> That's a good line. Well, that is a pretty now good I, line. Now I got to think of his name to give him credit for it. But, yeah, you, uh, sh- you should. Yeah, so interesting. Just flew away. Uh, it's 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 slipped my mind. The mind is a horrible anyway. Thing so sometimes. we have a
0: thousand years here. So yeah. when we say millennium, we're talking about a thousand yeah. years. And a so, thousand-year period. Um, mm-hmm. This is everybody's interpreted what this thousand years is going to look like a little bit differently. And when I say a little bit differently, I mean a lot differently.
1: (laughs) Well, and and let's, let's go ahead and look at the passage here in chapter 20 to kind of understand what we're talking about. But really, it's not really the thousand year period. It's really the way that we define Jesus coming in relation to that. So Mm. his, his, his return, Jesus second coming. So if we believe that his second coming will be before this thousand year period, we typically talk about being premillennial. If we understand, and a thousand-year period of peace and 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 the reign of the of the kingdom of God, followed by Christ's return, that we call about that post-millennial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's this other term, amillennial, that has to do with uh, you know, which you know technically say, oh, no millennium, but which would understand this as a figurative way to talk about something. And that's that's the view that I would understand in, in regard to this. I'm an all-millennial when it comes to this, but All we'll right. talk about it and see see what we come up with.
0: Okay yeah so and, and before we get kind of post-millennial mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't know how you're going to talk about this again okay. we have not planted any of this but post-millennial <laughs> would be uh, probably was much more popular prior a uh, prior yeah. view
1: well the 20th the 20th century really kind of um things kind of went south yeah. in a lot of ways in yeah. the world people were, because really the the post-millennial view would understand the church kind of, it was a very optimistic view in the sense that the church was going to be able to usher in a period of the reign of Christ, that there was going to be a period of peace. Um, and, but there were people, in fact, there's there's um, uh, someone who was very instrumental in the beginnings of uh, the congregations that you and I uh, are affiliated with often, um, uh, Alexander Campbell. He, he chose to um, call his newsletter, his, his uh, magazine or journal, The Millennial Harbinger. In other words, it was bringing in the millennium, right? Mm-hmm. And then the idea is after this period, a thousand-year period of peace, then Christ would return. But, uh, you know, a couple world wars and and uh, various, uh, you know, world conflict. Spanish flu, um you know, various uh, you know, global pandemics and uh, you know economic collapse all caused genocides to,
0: <laughs> to become a, all kinds of things.
1: They became a little less optimistic about <laughs> humans' ability to to right. bring in the millennial. Yeah, so that's so. post-millennial. That we, yeah. that we were going
0: to get to a point of there's going to be peace yeah. and we're going to have a thousand years of king, God's kingdom peace yeah. here on earth, and then Christ would return, yeah. and then millennial would be that there is no
1: that no there, specific well the, the thousand that the thousand year the reason I would the way I would define this is that the thousand year period that's that's referred to in Revelation chapter 20 it is referring it's referring to a real period of time but it's it's a figurative way to talk about mm-hmm. this
0: yeah. and then pre-millennial would be um, more of a mm-hmm. um, left behind I think is the most sure popular iteration and like in pop yeah. culture
1: in, in a previous times there were there were other books that that uh, you know er, earlier for some of us right. who are older there were there were other books but yeah the left behind series and, and essentially this is the idea that there is going to be and there's different ways of understanding this but there's going to be a period of tribulation um a period of trouble and and the idea is that after this then christ will return and and usher in the this thousand year period so okay so how are we well, understand i just want to get that yeah. in everybody's mind before no, we, get, we get started started here all right, so, so okay. re, read Revelation 20 now. <laughs> Okay, here's chapter 20, starting in verse one. I saw an angel coming down out of heaven. I always say it's important to notice the positions here. So this angel messenger coming from heaven, uh, so acting on behalf of God, having the key to the abyss. And the abyss was understand understood as as a bottomless pit a place out of which chaos and evil would often come but this idea of a key is having the authority over that so this angel came down out of heaven having the key to the abyss holding it in in holding in his hand a great chain he seized the dragon now we saw the dragon all the way back in chapter 13 this red dragon that was trying to do damage to this one that was born of woman he seized the dragon that ancient serpent so what do you think of ancient serpent? What do you think about? What story does that remind you? That reminds me of Adam and Eve and the garden of the Garden of Eden and the ancient serpent who who lied, who who ended up leading them astray, caused the rebellion. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, uh, and so you know we have all these titles kind of piled <laughs> up. You know mm-hmm. this this evil one and bound him for a thousand years. So this idea of taking the chain and binding. Uh, Satan, to, to be bound would mean that the the effects of what the devil is able to do uh, in in terms of, you know, trying to uh, bring about rebellion against God is going to be limited. Okay. It mm-hmm. goes on and says this. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore. And that's what this ancient serpent does, right? So he's a deceiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended after that he must be set free for a short time now after that again there seems to be this period of time thousand year period and then this this other short time okay and that's mm-hmm. what I think is is in reference to this now the after that is why it causes a lot of people to think these are l- literal these are literal numbers these are literal time periods one happening after the other although I will say that phrase After that is a relatively common one, both in the Gospel of John, but also here we'll talk about in Revelation to talk about the ending of a section or the beginning of a new section. After this, you know, it's like if you're telling a story and you say this happens, and then after this, and then you know, it's Mm -hmm. it's just kind of a marker. We call it technically in narrative, it's a temporal marker that marks the end of one section, the beginning of another, and so it could simply be that now again you, you can understand why you, you have the language like until and after that in the English particularly that makes us think in these terms but wh- how I would understand this and this is this is kind of the way you know my take on it, I'm going to give it to you but th- this thousand years in the short time are actually contemporary contemporary they're happening at the same time okay a th- <laughs> you're like okay whatever okay whatever a thousand for- a thousand has been used previously in the book of Revelation and and we've said before a thousand means, longer than anyone's ever lived completeness right. long, long time. time a long time it's a way to think about forever if it's longer than any lifetime of any human being we're thinking about forever right mm-hmm. uh, and, and so it's that idea of, of a thousand years and 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 even the way it's described you see that idea that he's he's cast into the bottomless pit he's sealed over it's locked he's bound Uh, it's done right Mm -hmm. it's completely done and and then you have this idea of the set free for a short time now understanding this together here's how i would understand it uh, is that he is bound a thousand years kind of bound he's released a short time kind of released okay (laughs) well that is as clear as it gets my friend Yeah, let me let me try to describe it a different way. Then, so so the idea is that you know, if we think about this thousand years as as a kind of you know completeness or forever, he's he's unable to do the kind of damage that he wishes that he could do. That he's limited by God's you know. Mm-hmm. But there is a way in which Satan continues to act. Let's go back to the dragon in chapter thirteen. What okay. happened to the dragon there? Do you remember? He was he was standing. I know I'm putting you on the spot now. Mm-hmm. He was standing, <laughs> waiting for the woman to give birth to this child that to he was going to consume, mm-hmm. right? A- a- and instead, God takes this woman and protects her and her child, right? Puts her in, in, a, in a wilderness in a wilderness place, in a place of safety. Um and what happens to the devil then? Do you remember? Or I'm sorry, the dragon. <laughs> uh, he calls the beast, doesn't, doesn't he? Well, what I was thinking is that, that Michael came and wrestled with oh, the dragon, right. right? Yes. And, and in his, thr- he cast him down to the earth, mm-hmm. but in his thrashing, he, he knocked a third of the stars out of the heavens, right? Mm-hmm. And my point is that it's kind of, that's kind of the message of Revelation is Satan is, done he's cast down he's been defeated but he continues to thrash about okay. right and, and so this is the question that revelation is really answering and it's it's basically this if christ has been victorious over the forces of evil if what christ did on the on the cross and in his resurrection is sufficient to defeat the the, the evil mm-hmm. then why do we still have the effects of evil continuing to this day that, that's the question that Revelation is dealing with. Uh, you know, w- one of the authors that I really respect a lot, um, you know, talks about how surprised the, the apostles must have been when they woke up on Easter Monday morning and went, huh. <laughs> you know, things are kind of the same as they yeah, were. Right? You're Right. Yeah. That, that they're, you know, Rome's still in control. There, there's still oppression taking place. There's still death and dying and disease and all these things that the promised Messiah w- was going to take care of. Right? Mm-hmm. It was it was promised that the Messiah would come and and deal with these issues? And Jesus showed Himself to be able to to do he these had the things. Has the power to do those things. So why do we continue to live in this time? And I think John's answer. Is that even though Satan is defeated, utterly defeated, mm. uh, death and 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 dying and all these things have been done away with, uh, you know, to to quote Jesus in the Gospel of John, the one who believing in me will live, even though they die, right? Eternal life is is a promise that we have now, even for those who physically die, we have the promise of being with the Messiah. Uh, even though that's true, we still have the effects of, of evil and sin. Even though Christ has ultimately dealt with this, even though his work is is accomplished and he's able to say on the cross, it is finished, mm-hmm. e- even though all of that is true, there still is this is this effect of evil that happens. And that's not what I think he's describing here when this thousand years in this short time. I think it's just another way of describing this. And let me go back and say this. <laughs> What,
0: yeah, sorry. Let me just ask this question. What do you think is the juxtaposition, then, of bound and free? You okay. know what I mean? Like, that's, that that for me is the hard part to say, sure. like, he is bound, him, bound. <laughs> and then he, and then he's set free.
1: But isn't, mm,
0: I, I, That I, says it must be, he,
1: he's he a must short, be, he's set. a short term, he's a short time kind of free. <laughs> but is he free or is he bound? He is, he is free to inflict a certain amount of mm. suffering and pain upon the people of God. Mm-hmm. so that the slain saints under the altar it's, it's the same question how long O lord you know mm-hmm. when are you going to deal with this and we're going to mention them here again in just a minute how long O lord until you avenge our blood and what what are they told they're given white robes and they're said yeah when the full number that's not what they're said the first uh, thing that you're right that's the last half of the sentence but you can't forget the first half of the sentence you, what the saints say a little while a no, little, but yeah. it's set to them a little while longer until the full number of your Fellow um, martyrs or you know witnesses are brought in, so so it's that idea of a little little while. That's the message of the book of Revelation. You'll suffer for ten days, mm. right? Right. Um, you, you know, a time, you know, three and a half years. Time two times and a, and, a, and a half time. That's that's way. But you know, the the victory is a thousand and sixty four day kind of victory, right? Right. Okay. So so it's it's the use of these numbers to show us the message that even though yeah we can say satan has been ultimately defeated there's still going to be these ongoing effects that we see from from the evil that he's wreaking in the world yeah. and we see it you know so that's how i would say he's he is quote unquote free a little bit i understand this figuratively um just like i i shouldn't even say figuratively it is this is Apocalyptic literature and the use of symbols of numbers and and, you know, things like binding with chains and the abyss. These are the language that um, uh, apocalyptic literature uses in order to convey its message. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. No, take us away. So let's talk about this thousand years some more. Verse four, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. Uh, and I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. So this takes us back to those slain saints under the altar. Remember, it's, it's mm-hmm. that they had remained true to their testimony, right? They right. They, they had testified truly about God and about the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or its image, had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. OK, so so this idea of these who who were the souls of those who've been beheaded. Notice that it doesn't even talk about them being dead because this is going to become important in just a minute. It says they were beheaded and they now have come to life. So the language of death and life is very interesting if you pay attention to the dead here, because I think we're going to talk about the spiritually dead not just physically dead, but spiritually dead. Okay. Okay. And so it's, it's one of the ways that I think this passage causes confusion for people is that it it talks, they're, they're imagining all of the dead coming to life, but this already says that those who've remained true to the word of God and their testimony, right. Have come to life. Notice it says they're not dead. They're, they're alive. Right. Mm -hmm. And says the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended, this is the first resurrection and there's a lot of people who will create use this language in order to create um a future timeline of things that are going to happen they'll talk about this thousand years they'll talk about the the tribulation they'll talk about you know this this idea of christ's return they'll talk about um the first resurrection and the second resurrection now i'm going to tell you something that's really kind of weird in the book of revelation second resurrection is never mentioned only the first resurrection, okay? Okay. And first death is never mentioned, only second death.
0: Okay, so there's only first resurrection, no and, second resurrection. And second death. And and no first death, but
1: just second I death. think this is a way to talk about the quality <laughs> of those things. And again, I've already said death. I think it's talking about spiritual death. So the rest of the dead, and I would say spiritually dead, did not come alive until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection, Blessed and holy those who share in the first resurrection. So the first resurrection would be a reference to those who have main, maintained their testimony, who have remained true, who didn't receive the mark of the beast, who didn't follow the, the lies of the dragon and, and the beasts. Uh, you know, These are the ones that have been talked about throughout the book of Revelation. Uh, and, and this idea of the first resurrection is their reward. It, it, it's first in the way that we use first in sense of quality. If I talk about something being first class, mm-hmm. okay, what I mean by that, it's it's the t- it's the best you can get. Okay, so so we use first not only uh, how I say it's ordinally, but we also use it in terms of quality. And it's the same with second. If I say something is second class. Or, you know, something along those lines, I mean, it's not as desirable, right? It's not something you want. So second death, I think, is a reference to this. So it says, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection, the second death has no power over them. Okay, so that's what I think is the is the image. First resurrection, second death, thousand-year reign, you know, r- ruling, thousand years bound, short time loosed. Right, that's that's mm-hmm. what I think is being compared here. It's the it's the type of the quality of the things that are being done. Uh, those who have maintained their testimony and now are, are participating in the first resurrection are giving thrones to judge. They're they're sharing with the Creator in, in this act of judgment. Is what we would say. Okay, it says they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him thousand years. That's the the kind of rain, right? Um, the same kind of b- binding that we find for Satan is the same kind of rain for the saints. Is what I think we're we're talking about. Okay. Now, verse seven. When the thousand years are over, again, this is going to sound very time linearly <laughs> li- linear. <laughs> but I was going to go back to this, and you you you'd said something earlier, but and this is kind of hard because we haven't been going through the Book of Revelation verse by verse. Um, but one of the books that I recommend often is Metzger, um, Bruce Metzger's book on on Revelation. The key unlocking unlocking Revelation, I think, is the title. The of coding
0: it. or, or uh, breaking uh, the code. Breaking the code. That's it. That's it's a it. very short book. If anyone that's yeah, interested, it, it's in a it. good
1: it's a good book. But one of the, th- the points that Metzger makes, and we've talked about this before, when it, when it seems like the end of the world keeps happening over, over and, and over, again. yes. One of the things that that Metzger's book is most useful for is it talks about that this is not – um this is not a sequential time frame that we th- see throughout the book of revelation apocalyptic literature doesn't work that way it, it's not about some kind of future history it, it, it's talking about the same reality from different perspectives so he talks about a spiral right or a uh, what's the other word that we would use for a cyclical mm-hmm. uh a nature to this to this book to this apocalyptic book uh, and, and so You know, this idea that when a thousand years are over, Satan will be released from prison and go out to deceive the nations. You you see, again, I think he's talking about these same realities where we live from the time of the resurrection of Jesus until his return, until his his second coming. um, This is a time in which Satan has a certain amount of uh, effect and power, but is ultimately limited by the work. And this, this is um, something I would say we see in Second Peter as well and, and First Thessalonians, is limited by the work of the Holy Spirit that we see in the church. The, the ongoing nature of the power of the gospel, the, the preaching, of the testimony of, to the Word of God and to what Christ has done uh, is, is what limits the, the deceit and the, and the deceiving that Satan has done yes I would understand this
0: okay so we're in a time where Satan's power has been truncated
1: I think so yeah okay mm-hmm.
0: so that's what you see is
1: kind of where we're where we're at in we this. we are in the we are in the end but it is he, he continues to have we're in the beginning of the end if you will and he continues to have power until the end of the end so do you see like I mean so then before
0: Christ mm-hmm. and before Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, yes. he had more power. I
1: would say so. Yeah, I would say until the Church ate, until the till the Holy Spirit of God, uh, because of what Christ did on the cross, and this is the reason I'm, I'm going to give you the whole explanation here. Yeah. Because of what Christ, this is the way I would understand it. Okay, no, no one else. I'm not going to give credit. You know, you know, not not going to paint anybody else with this picture. This is Brian's understanding here. Because of the way that, that that Christ made possible the Holy Spirit of God to through His atoning sacrifice, right through His making us right, putting us in right relationship with God again, this enables—I I shouldn't use the word enable—but the, the Holy Spirit now uh, enters the life of the believer, right, and begins to work through us individually, but mostly corporately mm-hmm. in, in order to build the kingdom of God and to further the work of the gospel. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, even greater things than I've done, Jesus says to his followers, you, you will do greater things than these, that that the, the gospel is going to spread, is going to continue to work. And, and I, I believe, and I know it's, it's, it's easy for us to become discouraged sometimes, but if we look at the work of the church overall throughout the entire world i i believe right now there are more believers both numerically and also percentage-wise than in any other time we've had in human history and, and the spirit of god is working through these believers in order to accomplish the, the building of the kingdom and, and so this this idea that that this is what limits the Holy Spirit's work in believers is what limits the work of what Satan is able to do. He's bound by that. He's um how do I say this? He's you know, he's thrashing about, but he is unable to to ultimately do do the the worst kind of damage is the way I would see this. Okay. Okay. So when the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations. That's what he does. He's a deceiver. In the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. Now, so we're coming to the end of the world again, right? And we've seen it already in Revelation. We're coming to it again. Gog and Magog is referenced in Ezekiel chapter 37. And Gog in, in 37 is a person, and Magog is the place uh, where, where he is. And there's lots of people who have different perspectives and and understanding about where's being where's being talked about here. But we're talking about kind of the, the, the limits of, you know the edge of where God's people are these are the uh, the ones who are seeking to do damage to the people of God okay uh, Gog and Magog and together for battle so here we're talking about this idea of, of the ultimate battle of armageddon right in number they're like the sand of the seashore they marched against the breath of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people the city that he loves so we're thinking probably about Jerusalem here but fire came down from heaven and devoured them i always say you get this kind of um, it, it's anticlimactic in a way, right? You mm-hmm. get this description of these people who are like the sands on the seashore, and they're coming up against God's people. How can God's people stand? Well, then, then um, they're destroyed. You know, God, God's work happens, and this is the same kind of thing that we see with a thousand years kind of bound that we have with Satan. He's he's unable to ultimately damage God's people in the way that he would like to, right? In the in, uh, the, in the in the effects. Of this of just side. reminds
0: me of the Isaiah that we just went through 36 and right. 37 yeah. when uh, sure. the Assyrians are right a, outside the gates of Jerusalem yeah. and like hundred and eight, like overnight 185,000 of them die.
1: You know, the, God, but, God writes lots of good lines, but his battle scenes are kind of, you know, anticlimactic, you know, uh, which is good for us. right? That's where we'd rather be. Uh-huh. Uh But, but that's, that's what happens here, I think. So it says they marched across the earth, was surrounded the camp of God's people, Fire came from heaven to devour them. The devil, who deceived them, was thrown in the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. So that's the end. That's that's what we have. Uh, the 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 result, the judgment, is the word that that would be used best here. The judgment for the enemies of the people of God. And and I should say in this section from chapter eighteen on, pretty much you've got kind of even earlier, but you've got kind of a uh, it's almost like a roster or or a program, like, like you go to a ball game and you see, you know, who's on this team, who's on this team uh, of the enemies, of the people of God, and then the people of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so here's this kind of, you know, uh, roster and, and you have all these description and then we find their ultimate defeat here is what's, what's the, the, the focus. And again, I think I think people, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there's people who think differently about this than I do. (laughs) I know there are, but I think people get hung up on trying to understand this sequence of events when what it's really talking about is the, is the quality and the effect of, of what, what has happened, Um, you know, in the same way that, that, um, so let's go back to the, Dragon, and, and I'm doing this again. We're not reading it right now, but I'm just right. kind of talking about it. when the dragon first appears. Uh, you have this woman who has twelve crowns, mm-hmm. God's people, and, and this child that's going to be born. Genesis three fifteen, right? And, you know, yeah. we've got all this Old Testament imagery that's coming. Mm-hmm. That's coming led up to this. This child is born, so we're at Christmas, right? And the next thing we know, he's in heaven, ascension, right? and so you're like whoa well, you know that that, that seems pretty <laughs> that's quick. most
0: abbreviated story right, right. Ever. but
1: but it's it's a way to encapsulate the gospel right from from the birth of Jesus until his Ascension it, it that that's the event that that Satan sought to defeat to devour him from the from the garden or, or not the garden from the um the wilderness the mm-hmm. the, the, the temptations in the wilderness Satan sought to de- derail Jesus work to the garden of gethsemane mm-hmm. right there there's this this effort to try to to get Jesus to turn aside from what he has come to the earth to do and, and yet Jesus remains faithful to his mission to his task and god is able to through that um, affect uh, the salvation of, of of god's people he he's able to make um, make effective this this redemption and so again that's it, it's not a it's not a step-by-step kind of thing it's it's a big you know overarching kind of idea we're we're more the way i understand this is more about concepts than it is some kind of sequence okay so the binding and the and the loosing in this way you said you wanted to go ahead a little bit further do you have any questions before we do you, you like this next section that we talk about oh sure well sure <laughs> i mean i, I mean I
0: think this is really interesting. We talked about this before, and I think there's something small in here that
1: can be overlooked sometimes. Okay, so this is verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. Of course, we've had a throne already from, from the very beginning of this book. Him who was seated on it, and earth and heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead. Okay, and again, I, I I understand this to be spiritually dead. There are people who understand this to be Physic- all, all, all of the physically, physically dead. dead. I would understand this to be spiritually dead. The dead, great and small, and and, and technically, <laughs> just a little point. We found this the other day when we were talking through it. It's technically small and great, which is a little bit mm-hmm. unexpected. But anyway, it's a minor point. Uh, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened. So I think what we sometimes miss here is there are books and there's a book, okay? And the book is actually mentioned all the way back in chapter two, uh, in the letter to the seven churches, and it talks about those whose names have not been blotted out of the book of life. So there's these books and there's this book. Now, listen to this. In verse 12, I saw the dead, great, small and great, standing before the throne, before the throne, place of judgment, right? Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now, listen to this. The dead were judged according to what they had been done as recorded in the books. Not the book, which is the book of life, but the dead, which I would understand to be the spiritually dead, are judged according to what they've done as is recorded in the book. So they were judged based upon their actions, and no one is able to. No one is able to be judged worthy based upon the things that they've done themselves. That that's the gospel, right? That we mm-hmm. can't. Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves, right? We we could not be good enough, right? Jesus, uh, Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Uh, we're all in this position. Uh, And then it says this, it says um, the dead were judged according to what they've been done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. So there's that contrast between the first resurrection and the second death the, the first resurrection are those who' been who have maintained their testimony uh, have suffered and even died maintaining their testimony and they're're they're, they're, um, speaking about you know the word of God uh, and here's the second death and it says in verse 15 anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire So what I would understand is those whose names are written in the book of life are not judged according to what what it's done in the books the mm-hmm. dead the spiritually dead are the ones who are judged according to the things that they've done the ones whose names are written in the book of life aren't judged they're they're found to be in the book of life because uh, of what Christ has accomplished and and their trust in, in that is what i would say yeah.
0: i just think that's a i i had when we talked about this yeah. um is seeing that juxtaposition between books yeah. and a book, book. Mm-hmm. you know i just uh, i i mean i knew they were different but i just never place to it together especially when you talk about the debt you know yeah. the dead as being spiritually dead i think right. that changes that connotation of, of what's I think happening so.
1: i think and that, again i think it's it this is a message of hope we often talk about revelation people are afraid of gog and magog oh what's grog gog and magog we're going to go through this horrible war blah 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 you know and i don't think that's the issue i think what i think what's going on is this is a way to say don't worry because God's enemies will be defeated. Trust, trust in Him. You know, place your trust in Him. Remain true to your testimony. Make sure your name's written in the Book of Life, right? That that's mm-hmm. that's what we're concerned about. Um, and then and then all will be well, I think is yeah. uh, So the g- real question is,
0: so what? You okay. know, obviously you know, like if we think about this sure differently, if we if we if we lift the this out of a linear
1: time. I think it just, descri- I think it's two things. I think the first is it describes well the time in which we find ourselves. Okay, we find ourselves in a time where we can absolutely fully rely upon the work that God has done in Christ. We we understand the victory has been won, but we we also feel the reality of the trials and the difficulty and the and the pain and the suffering that the believers continue to to undergo. Um, the, the, the hope, hope is very closely connected to this idea of perseverance, uh, endurance. I, I like to use that word hope. Hope is about, and, and when we look at First Peter sometime, we'll see this connection between endurance. It's the ability for us to hold up under the difficulties that we face because we know. That the victory has been won in Christ. The hope, and hope is here, isn't just wish fulfillment, right? It is, it is a, it is a confident expectation that what God has promised will come about because He's done it in the past, and we know it, we we know He's faithful. We know He will, right? So, so that's that's what it is for us. It's it helps describe the situation we find ourselves in. The other thing is this: I I always worry when we begin when we begin to do these future. Uh, what's the word I want to use for it? These these future um, sequences of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I worry that we 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 somehow are are looking for and waiting for these things to happen, right? And, and people often, oh, you think we're in the end time? I'm like, well, yeah, we've been in the end times for a long time. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite lines is always, "We're a day closer to Jesus' return. Than we were yesterday, right? Right? It's always a shorter time, and, and so." so that that reality i think keeps us the the position as a christian is we always have to be ready we always have to be watching for um jesus told parables about this if you're if you're going if you're going out waiting for the bridegroom at night you better make sure you got enough oil right right you better make sure you stay awake and you watch and that's the language staying awake thief in the night. Jesus uses, you know, when, when some man comes can be like a thief in the night. You're not expecting him. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you better be ready. Always. Uh, Peter uses that language. John uses that language. You know, it, it's it's the common language that we are. We we need to be always waiting, always prepared for the return of Jesus. And I think so the so what I think looking at these things in this way helps us to be in that always ready situation, always waiting for Christ's return instead of thinking about, well, there are these, uh, you know, Armageddon, you know, the, these battles, these things that are going to take place. Uh, You know, we look at events in the Middle East. We look right. at, we look at things, you know, I was mentioning books earlier. You mentioned left behind when I was a kid, you know, just a youngster, uh, how how Lindsay's late great planet Earth, you know, mm-hmm. oh, the bear is Russia, you know, all, all these kind of things, and right, and of course, now it's Russia again, but um, the, <laughs> it's cyclical, but but that's the thing, we you know, we're like, oh, these things have to align, and this is what we're waiting to happen. And these people who are somehow, you know, I know people look at this, and they go, well, that's really kind of weird, but then you start reading those kind of things, and you're like, that's not weird, you know? That we have these particular world leaders Mm -hmm. uh, and you have these people who've missed it i mean how many times have they said oh this is when christ is returning you know and they're wrong Mm -hmm. he did not return in 88 he did not return in 89 you know for the sequel Uh, (laughs) um but you know and so i think the so what is to kind of always be in that time and that that um state where we are ready for his return And we're we're remaining faithful. We understand that Satan is bound uh, a thousand years, but we also understand he's loosed a little while, right? And and we're going to feel some of the effects of that. But we also know that the victory's been won. Why do you think there's so much language of time
0: in this? There's no, because for me Mm -hmm. this is like I I get it. This this feels like okay. Um, this is we're getting a glimpse behind the curtain almost. you know what I mean? But like, there's so much for me, and mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I agree no, with I you. It. But I, I think one of the questions is, is why is there so much? And then, and then when, you know what I mean?
1: Like there's this time element, if it's not a time-based. I'm going to go back to the slain saints under the altar in, okay. in the fifth seal, uh, when the fifth seal is open. Because he, here's the thing, is this, and, I, and I've said when I've taught on this, uh, I think I've taught on this in this, in this podcast, even we've we've done an episode on this, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so the question of God's people is always how long. You know, hmm. God, how much longer are you going to put up with this? So it's a time, it's a time question for us, right? Right. how How much longer? And and, and I'll go back to the book of Habakkuk. How long, O oh Lord, are you going to look at evil? You you see, hear this refrain in the Psalms. How long, O oh Lord, until you you know you avenge our blood? Th- this kind of language, how long, Lord, until you do this? It is common for God's people because it's the question we have. Anytime something happens that is the thrashings of the dragon, okay? Mm. A- anytime something happens, uh, you know, floods, uh, disease, death, tragedy, murder, I mean, whatever you want, the the thrashings of the dragon, trying to, you know, knock the stars out of the sky, right? Anytime something like that happens, the question for the Christian is how long is this kind of stuff going to continue? How much longer do we need to put up with this stuff? How does, how does the book of Revelation end? Come quickly, Lord Jesus, yeah. right? Maranatha, right? Yeah.
0: Come, Lord Jesus, come.
1: We we can't wait until you return because that's when things are going to be the way that's supposed to be. That's when things are going to be put right. That's when justice will finally be accomplished. Uh, and so we're waiting for this. And our question is always how long? So I think that's that's part of the reason that time is, is used. And the other thing is it gets really tricky to tell any story without time mm. um, you know when you <laughs> so one of the time one of the things that I think about a lot is creation and f- creation of the world right and and I, I've talked before about these little glimpses we get of Jesus and the father and their relationship before the creation of the world and, and it's very hard to talk about language or relationship or, just about anything, without using time language, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I think, I think time is woven into the very fabric of the universe. Now, now I'm getting pretty esoteric, and I won't I won't stay here too long. But mm-hmm. I think I, I think eternity eternity is is a way to talk about the way that the universe functioned before the fall. Right. And and I don't think it's atemporal. I don't think eternity is atemporal. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's the opposite of time. I think it is the fullness of time or the fulfillment of time, however you want to think about that. Whatever you under, and I, and I don't know how to say it, but the same way you think about an unfallen human being, however we understand that relationship, what Paul calls the glorified body, body. right? Mm-hmm however we understand that relationship to what we experience now okay there's a there's a connection right but it's different right <laughs> Right. whatever that however we understand that difference is what i would understand to be the difference between time and eternity hmm. do, do, do you see what i'm saying same but different <laughs> we it's, it's same so, bit same. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this and 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 people are gonna be scratching their heads and throwing stones and stuff, but but I would understand time to be fallen eternity. Uh time is eternity hollowed out, to use the way we've talked about sin. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna cast a stone,
0: but I'm gonna you
1: know, scratch your head. I'm um,
0: gonna so,
1: so whatever we experience of this of this thing we call time, I would understand um to be fallen eternity. I think so. Because what we were created for was to be with but but I don't think it meant I don't think it means that we were not experiencing, you know, there was morning and evening and and, and the we get I wish we had more. I wish we had more language in the garden, right? Mm -hmm. But what I do know is that God walked with man in In the the cool cool of of the the evening, evening, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a time phrase. Right. Now, again, I I don't know how to think about that, but it's, it's something different than what we experience now, I would say, as time. So... <laughs> I'm in stunned silence. See, this is this is the reason people tune in right here. This is the good I, stuff. No,
0: I, this is good because yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I think that's the question. I mean, for me, that is the question. Yeah, you know, why is there so much time language? Yeah. if this is not a linear thing, mm-hmm. and I think it's. And I think that's the hard thing for people to to, to wrap their minds around because we just have this after things that we would write mm-hmm. in our in our language that would say after this. Well, this is a, this is a linear sequence mm-hmm. of things, um, and you know to look at this from because yeah. I, I don't look, uh, and I think that's a thing. Here is what I think is when we see like a thousand years or seven heads and ten crowns, <laughs> it's easier for us to kind of go, oh, that's figurative language, right? Right. But I think when we get into something that we feel like we have more handle a on, a like on. a grasp on, mm.
1: it's hard for us to see maybe even that has right. a figurative nature to it. Well, we have no grasp on time. Um, and and, and here's, here's one of my favorite things to do is... When we start talking about the nature of God, what I, what I always say is that He is He is uh, omnipresent, means He's not bound by time or space. And and people will talk about when we talk about foreknowledge. I think we mentioned mm-hmm. this as people say, "Oh, well, God is outside of time." And I'll and I always say, "Well, when you can tell me what it means to be inside of time, then we can talk about what it means to be outside of time." <laughs> right. But, do do we have an awareness? I mean, do we, you know, people, people will talk about the present, you know. Um, we don't know what's coming. We, we have a, you know, marginal grasp on what's gone before. You know, all we have is this present, but what does that even mean? You know, it, it, some people would say it's already passed by the time our awareness of it, you know, is there. Scientists have have a hard time with this, especially when you get back to the creation. And that's where that's where that's when I first started thinking about this, that I really realized we have no clue because, you know, we'll we'll talk about God's existence. <laughs> I would say in relationship to creation, and there's there is, and again, you can't you you can't talk about this without time language. There is a state in which God exists and creation doesn't. Right. That's what we understand pre-existence to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and then there's a state in which God exists and creation exists. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know of any way to think about those two states in relationship to one another without using time language. So I don't think time is a creation, mm-hmm. right? I think eternity is an aspect of the nature of God. But I don't know what the eternal, I don't know what it is, is for me to experience the eternal. I've never experienced it. I believe that I will. And I believe that when Jesus says that we have eternal life in him, that we are beginning, we can begin to experience some some of it. We can begin to think about because to know to know that we're gonna be with Jesus forever gives us a different perspective on on our days mm-hmm. than than if we believe that this life is all that we have. Okay. Right. Uh I, I often will talk about the eternal perspective and that's what I mean when I'm talking about us having this eternal perspective. Um so so eternal life, I think has begun now. and, and I, I will often say eternal life, and, and again, that's Paul, uh, Paul. John's favorite phrase for talking about what we have in Christ. Um, it, it's a, it's a, in some ways analogous to the kingdom of God in, in John. But, but eternal life, I always say is not just it, it's qualitative. <laughs> it's not just quantitative right Mm. because you know I've been complaining about my back hurting all day yes and to be forever in a state where my back hurts you're not down for that I'm hoping that's not what eternal life means (laughs) right so so it's also it's like the abundant abundant life it's also the quality of the life that we'll have I believe eternal life isn't just talking about its length but it's also talking about its quality uh, it will be what it was intended to be from creation. It's still, you know, ho- hopefully we'll get to walk with the Lord in the cool of the evening, you know, and experience what eternity is like. I-, I think even, the so you talk about the so what, I think having a misconception about this can lead us into places where heaven seems for us almost a heaven, the age to come which oh, the age yeah. anyway but but um uh that that seems to us almost a punishment like mm. it, it, you know it seems boring or it seems like it's you just know, gonna go on and on. yeah eternal church service no i've experienced some of those and <laughs> they're not that great <laughs> to be honest and now sister
0: is gonna <laughs> sing for us. And, and that's me say, Dear Lord, take me now. <laughs> exactly. Wait, I've already been taken. <laughs> I have no escape.
1: So so you get what I'm saying is I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that's what now I believe that we will be forever in his presence and I believe that we will and so I do think we get a taste of that from time to time. I think that we will be forever um giving him praise and and worship and and adoration. Uh, but I don't think it's going to look like, you know, a typical Sunday evening church service or revival service. You know, where we're going to sing 96 verses of Just As I Am, something like that.
0: Wow, there's a lot to think about there. I'm going to go put on like a Pink Floyd record, turn on the black light and just let my mind go as I think about all of this. All right. We no. can we can cut it out. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> Remember that we don't cut anything out anymore. <laughs> no, this is good because okay. I think this. I, I I think that's an important question because yeah. I, I don't know. I, I how we think about this and how we think about time yes. and eternity because I I think mm-hmm. that is uh, we've had this conversation before. But like as we think about eternity, it's like eternal separation sounds yes. terrible. And then sometimes I I. I kind of going back to this and i think we have to uh the show the good place did you ever watch the yeah. good place mm-hmm. did you see the final
1: episode yes, i did and we, I we shouldn't th- give away we shouldn't give away uh, no but, spoilers but there words. was an
0: interesting philosophical question it's very
1: interesting and philosophical question yeah. at the end of it
0: um and i don't think it's going to be like that you know mm-hmm. what i mean like I, but i think that's a an earthly like how they an earthly it. perception of mm-hmm. what heaven is like yeah I think even it finds its own natural end. Right. You know, we would we would
1: want our end in. <laughs> I would that. expect more frozen yogurt. in, in heaven. But no, <laughs> no, you're right. I think I think that's yeah. That that there comes a point where one comes to terms with one's own ending. You know, and and, and I do think that is that is based upon our limited, fallen understanding of the eternal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot to think about here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Everybody's on millennial now. I don't I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, well this is a great discussion. You know, yeah. and it kind of went a, it kind of went a different turn, but I think it's I think it's a great conversation to have, Good. you know, cuz I think again, I think this is Revelation 20. Whether you agree with it or not, I think there's something there first to think about and sure. to think about how do we think about time? How do we think about figurative language inside Revelation yep. and how do we think about
1: our eternity eternity yeah. with with christ yeah so i'm looking forward to it that's that's i said say yeah. for sure so Get this podcast it. may have felt like it was <laughs> <laughs> it is not heaven not this brian. episode this heaven brought to you by
0: eternity all right brian well i'll see you next Tuesday. all right see ya.
1: bye bye